We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 375 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Sunday, August 14th, 2022. Yes, it is Sunday. What is supposed to be a day of rest? And yet here we are, you and me, talking sports via a special weekend installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. I do not do this often. In fact, I've only done this on NFL Draft Weekend last year and NFL Draft Weekend this year. But with the Commanders playing all three of their preseason games this year on Saturdays, I figured that I'd try this out, a special Sunday Commanders postgame show installment of the podcast. Uh, Nice to be with you on a Sunday. I'm not sure if listening to this podcast counts as going to church, okay? I'm not sure if listening to this podcast fulfills that obligation. If you have such an obligation, you can check with the Pope on that. But in the meantime, uh, we have a commander's preseason opener to discuss, to postgame, a 23-21 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field on Saturday afternoon. What ended up being, as NFL preseason games go, a pretty exciting game. Uh, The commanders rallied. Yes, they rallied. They overcame a 26 fourth quarter deficit behind, oh yeah, Sam Howell at quarterback. Uh, Babe Laufenberg, Colt Brennan, Chase Daniel, meet Sam Howell, the latest Mr. August at quarterback in Washington. Uh, but no, Sam Howell looked good. Uh, now, the commanders did end up losing the game, but whatever. Uh, coming up on the show is nothing but commander's conversation. This is an all-commander's installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, Next segment, I will go in-depth on the performances of commander's quarterbacks in the game, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and Sam Howell. Uh, After that, I'll get into the situation at running back. Uh, Boy, oh boy, Uh, what a bad game for Antonio Gibson, and what a good game for Brian Robinson Jr. Might we already be seeing a shift at RB1 
for the Commanders. Some very interesting comments from Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon. Uh, By the way, you will hear the best of what Ron and Carson Wentz had to say during their postgame press conferences on Saturday afternoon. I'll also talk Commander's defense and some odds and ends from the game. And then after discussing the game, I will discuss Jason Wright. Oh, Jason, you and your tweets. Uh, We had the tweet read around the world (laughs) or something like that. Uh, What Jason Wright tweeted at Scott Abraham of ABC7 in Washington, D.C. on Friday morning. There is a lot to get into off that. Get into everything I shall. Uh, Hey, we have a new fight song for the Commanders. Uh, The Commanders prior to the game on Saturday unveiled their new fight song. Uh, There were two options from which to choose in terms of a fan vote. Uh, The version of the song with Fight for Our Commanders prevailed over the version of the song with Leaders on a Mission. Uh, That's good. Fight for Our Commanders is better than Leaders on a Mission. Leaders on a Mission sounds like something from a corporate retreat. Uh, But what was so funny to me was that both Ron Rivera and Carson Wentz during their postgame press conferences on Saturday afternoon, got asked about the new fight song, and neither guy had anything to say about it, okay? Ron admitted that he hadn't even heard the song yet, okay? Uh, Now, by the way, you can vote on a new mascot for the Commanders. The team is branding the vote as Command the Mascot. Uh, The team has narrowed down the mascot to four categories and asks, which one do you want to see come to life? And the four categories are dog, hog, historical figure, or superhero. So yeah, have at it. Uh, What'd you think of the uniform, the white on white? Uh, I am not a fan of white on white in general, but I actually didn't think that the uniforms look bad. Uh, The white on white commander's uniform was my least favorite of the three commander's uniforms that came out back in February, but I actually didn't think that the uniform looked bad on Saturday afternoon. You tell me. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have received a lot of tweets uh, in response to something that I tweeted on Friday afternoon about Carson Wentz off the Jason Wright, Scott Abraham situation. Uh, what I tweeted was, quote, Carson Wentz, since being acquired by the commanders, has been asked countless questions about countless negative topics. He has answered every question with class and humility. Maybe he's a tremendous actor, or maybe, just maybe, he's not the monster he has been made out to be. End quote. A tweet from a multi-time guest on this podcast, the mysterious Kyle Smith for GM, writer for Hogshaven, Carson has handled himself perfectly, which is yet another reason he didn't need to be white-knighted in this instance. Uh, Yes, good point. Uh, Talking about Jason Wright white-knighting Carson Wentz and going after Scott Abraham. Tweet from someone who goes by the name Bradley Beal's contract. (laughs) The media has simply decided Carson lost to the Jags, who the Colts haven't beaten in Jacksonville since 2014, that he is the worst NFL player of all time. Tweet from King Marcellus. The media around this team is toxic, and some of the fans are as well. No quarterback can thrive here. It's the same thing 
every time. Tweet from Robert, I've not witnessed anything remotely related to the accusations I've heard about him. I don't think we'll get 2017 Wentz, but I could see a resurgence sort of close to that, even 2021 Carson Wentz is a big plus. Uh, yeah, Robert, I agree with that. Uh, 2021 Carson Wentz for our commanders would be a big plus and would be a big improvement off what the team has had at the quarterback position over the previous four seasons. A tweet from Real McCoy. Honestly, I'm rooting so hard for him this year because, damn, he's been just raked hard. Tweet from Tim Meek. Carson has been the humble and stable leader we needed to this point. Granted, this is the easy part of the year, but leadership is allegedly where he struggled in the past. Now, one of the funny things about this tweet that I put out on Friday afternoon was that I got a lot of feedback from Philadelphia Eagles fans. Social media is a funny thing. I tweet about Washington, D.C. area sports for fans of Washington, D.C. area sports. Most of my tweets are about the commanders. Those tweets are intended for commanders fans and commanders observers. How what I tweeted on Friday afternoon became a thing for Eagles fans, I have no idea. (laughs) But uh, here were some of the better responses to what I tweeted about Carson Wentz. Tweet from Ryan, as an Eagles fan who defended Wentz through all of 2020 and even supported him through much of last year up to falling apart against the Jags, enjoy the ride, buddy. It's a bumpy one. Uh, Tweet from Fly Eagles Fly. He's a reserved, well-mannered guy and everyone hates that. Tweet from John Tortilla. He's a good person. He isn't a good NFL quarterback. That's all. Well, we shall see if Carson Wentz is a good quarterback for the commanders, but we already know that Dr. George Verghese is the best dermatologist in the Mid-Atlantic region. Uh, Did you know that skin cancer, of which Ron Rivera, of course, is a survivor, is among the most common of all cancers in the United States? Well, the good news is that skin cancer also is among the most curable forms of cancer. Get checked, get screened, and someone who very much can help you with that is Dr. George Verghese. He and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings. Yes, free. Call 301 396-3401, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big fan of the Commanders. He's a loyal listener of this podcast, and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. And yes, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings and offer state-of-the-art treatments for skin cancer. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are the DMV's number one outlet for Mohs skin cancer surgery and for superficial radiation therapy, or SRT, which is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. You will not find better, more state-of-the-art, or more comprehensive skin treatment and services than what you can get from Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Early detection and treatment of skin cancer save lives. If you have questions or concerns about your skin, call Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. Make sure that you tell the Institute 
that Al Galdi sent you. That's 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. Ratings and reviews help out the podcast a lot. If you have never rated the podcast, please consider doing that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can give the podcast a five-star rating. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review of the podcast. Uh, The review does not have to be long. It can be just a sentence or two saying that you like the podcast. And thank you for doing the ratings and the reviews. So let us get to post-gaming on this special Commander's post-game show installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, The Commander's preseason has begun, a 23-21 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field on Saturday afternoon. And we're going to begin with the Commander's starting quarterback, Carson Wentz. Uh, His first actual game, albeit a preseason game, uh, with the team, uh, I thought that Carson's performance on Saturday afternoon was fine. Uh, nothing spectacular, but nothing really bad. Uh, the sample size obviously was small, so there's only so much that you can say about what he did. Uh, were he and the commander's passing offense dynamic against the Panthers? No. Uh, but did we see Carson be guilty of terrible inaccuracy against the Panthers? No. Uh, Carson's performance on Saturday afternoon, in a lot of ways, was not unlike his performance in 2022 Commander's training camp so far, mixed. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. And to me, there was enough to make you feel encouraged. Uh, Keep in mind, too, that the Commanders on Saturday afternoon were missing a bunch of offensive linemen. Uh, Among those who did not play in the game for the Commanders due to injury or some sort of ailment, uh, center Chase Roulier, right guard Trey Turner, offensive tackle Cornelius Lucas, center Tyler Larson, and tackle slash guard Sadiq Charles, who it feels like is never healthy. (laughs) Uh, The commander starting offensive line for the game was left tackle Charles Leno Jr., left guard Andrew Norwell, center Keith Ismail, right guard Wes Schweitzer, right tackle Samuel Cosme. So Carson Wentz on Saturday afternoon was the commander starting quarterback. He played for three offensive drives and played into the second quarter. Carson went 10 of 13, For 74 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took no sacks. He had no carries. Uh, I liked that the commanders got him to have 13 pass attempts in playing for just a quarter and change. Uh, I didn't necessarily want Carson playing for long, but I wanted his time in the game to result in him throwing a good number of pass attempts. I thought that he threw a pretty good number of pass attempts. 13 pass attempts, and again, a quarter and change of playing time. Uh, The commanders... First offensive drive, what was the first offensive drive of the game, resulted in a first quarter three and out. Second snap of the drive, Carson Wentz had a second and 10 six-yard shotgun play action completion to receiver Curtis Samuel on a screen. Uh, Third snap of the drive, Carson had a third and four deep shotgunning completion intended for tight end Armani Rogers. Uh, Get used to that name. He was well covered by safety Xavier Woods on that play. Uh, The commander's second offensive drive uh, resulted in running back Antonio Gibson's first quarter loss fumble. Uh, This drive became the Armani Rogers drive. Uh, First snap of the drive, Carson Wentz, a first and 10 
Two-yard under center play action completion to Rodgers. Second snap of the drive, Carson, a second and eight, six-yard shotgun play action completion to Rodgers. Third snap of the drive, Carson, a third and two, four-yard shotgun completion to Rodgers. And then the commander's third offensive drive, a 14-play, 82-yard drive, consumed seven minutes, 35 seconds off the clock, resulted in running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s second quarter third and goal, one-yard touchdown run. Uh, The first snap of the drive, Carson Wentz, a first quarter, first and 10, 16-yard shotgun completion to receiver Terry McLaurin. You love seeing that. Uh, Second snap of the drive, we had a completion that could have been but wasn't. Uh, Tight end Curtis Hodges failed to hold onto the ball off a heavy hit from linebacker Brandon Smith on a Carson first quarter, first and 10 shotgun play action and completion across the middle. Uh, I know that there's a feeling that Carson kind of left Curtis Hodges to the Wolves and throwing the ball where Carson threw it. But, you know, that was a catchable ball for Hodges, and he was unable to hold on. Not an easy play because he took a shot from Brandon Smith, but uh, the completion was not made. Uh, Fourth snap of the drive, Carson, a first quarter, first and 10, nine-yard under center play action completion to Brian Robinson Jr. on a screen. Tenth snap of the drive, and the second snap of the second quarter, Carson, a third and five, eight-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel, who turned upfield for the yak, necessary for the first down. Thirteenth snap of the drive, Carson, a third and four, 15-yard shotgun completion to running back J.D. McKissick, who was wide open over the middle. And the 14th snap of the drive on a first and goal at the nine, Carson Wentz, a six-yard under center play action boot completion to Brian Robinson Jr. Here was Commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Carson Wentz. Well, I thought he threw the ball well. I I thought he uh, threw where he was supposed to. He threw a very catchable ball um, and delivered it on time. Um, I thought he went through his progressions the way he needed to. Thought he handled the huddle well. Thought he got the calls out. Um, and, um, you know, did the things that we, we hoped he would do. All right. Now, things obviously got going for Carson Wentz and the commander's offense on the third drive. Uh, Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on what went on with Carson during his third drive, that first commander's touchdown drive. What I liked about it, you know, and from my perspective too, and listening to Scott with the, with the play calling, they got into a really good rhythm, you know, as far as Scott's play calling, and you can almost see Carson anticipating it, you know, as as he was getting the the call, he stepped right into the huddle and, you know, really just take command of it, you know, spit it out and then get to the line, and and, and you know, we weren't close to to delay a game, you know, what I'm saying we were running out of play clock time, and. That told me we were we had a real good rhythm all day. Uh, for the most part, I thought I thought our guys handled the huddle calls very well. I thought Taylor did a real nice job. Unfortunately, just as he goes to throw the ball, he gets he gets bumped a little bit, and the ball sails. Um, and and you know there's an opportunity to get more points too. But that was good to see. It really was. I thought he handled it very well as well. I mean, I thought all three quarterbacks played you know pretty much what we were hoping to see. And we'll get to the commander's other two quarterbacks shortly. Here was Carson Wentz during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on that third commander's offensive drive. You know, that third drive, just settling in, hey, this is just football. Um, You know, we've been doing this our whole lives. And and again, it it was preseason, kind of good for us to kind of get our feet wet. Um, But I thought that third drive was good for us to kind of, like I said, settle in and, and feel good about that. And what about settling in? on that drive. More from Carson Wentz during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on that third commander's offensive drive. 
Yeah, I thought it was it was good. Like I said, just coming out and moving the ball, whether we were calling plays down the field. There's a couple down the field that maybe I want back, but uh, even though we were maybe calling the plays down the field, but just finding guys underneath and, and moving the chains, I thought was important for us. Um, and there's a lot that we can learn from. I'm sure we'll go back and watch the tape and oh, miss that one, miss that one, an opportunity here to be aggressive, different things like that. But I thought that third drive was important for us to, to sustain a drive, pick up some third downs and get in the end zone. Yeah, and the biggest nit to pick with Carson Wentz and the commander starting offense on Saturday afternoon is the lack of the big play. Carson threw for just 74 yards on 13 pass attempts. Uh, that works out to a mere 5.69 yards per pass attempt. I mean, that is a microscopic yards per pass attempt. But like I said earlier, small sample size. I mean, you got to let a quarterback play for more than a quarter and change before you go crazy over his yards per pass attempt for the game. Uh, Rod Rivera, during his post-game press conference, on whether there was anything missing from Carson Wentz's game on Saturday afternoon that Ron wanted to see. Um, no, I, 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 I really like what we did. Uh, again, I, I, I really thought Scott had a nice rhythm going. You know, we took a couple shots vertical with him. I'd like to see us have completed one of the real long ones. Um, but he, he threw him. He threw him well. Um, you know, we had a um, we had a, um, a third and short, and we had a, had a one-on-one, and he threw the nine. Um, maybe if we could have got that out, maybe a touch more. But that's, again, he'll get that rhythm, he'll get that timing down, and he'll get the feel for how far to throw that ball out there. But for the most part, he made good decisions, threw the ball where it needed to be thrown. Um, and, uh, thought, again, I thought he handled the huddles well. And you heard Ron Rivera mention that Carson Wentz on Saturday afternoon made good decisions. Uh, that's something that Ron has been emphasizing with Carson. Make good decisions. Uh, left-handed interceptions, bad. Completing passes to pass catchers who proved to be the right reads, good. <laughs> Very simple, actually. Uh, Carson Wentz and the commander's passing offense, of course, are a work in progress. Carson, during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon, on where the commander's offense is at right now. Yeah, I think we're we're still getting better. Uh, you know, I think we're I think we have a lot of potential um, to have a really fun, explosive offense. But we're still getting better. We got a long way to go, myself included. Um, and so I think the rhythm and timing and just con- being consistent as an offense will just keep getting better. Um, and those are all things we're focusing on. But uh, I, I like what I'm seeing. I like the guys' attitudes. You know, even when we make mistakes, you can see guys bounce back. Um, and so I think it, it's a good young offense, and I think we're going to keep getting better. And that's, of course, uh, what we want. As for the Commanders, two other quarterbacks in Saturday afternoon's preseason opening loss to the Panthers at FedEx Field. Taylor Heineke was the Commanders' second quarterback in the game. He did not play for long. Uh, He played for two offensive drives in the second quarter and really only one true offensive drive. Uh, He went four of nine for 21 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, He took no sacks. And he had two carries for 14 yards. Uh, the commander's fourth offensive drive was Taylor Heineke's first drive of the game and really his only true drive in the game. And we on this drive saw both the good and the bad of Taylor Heineke. Uh, ninth snap of the drive, Taylor had a second and 10, eight-yard shotgun completion to receiver Deami Brown. That was good. Twelfth uh, snap of the drive, Taylor had a second and 10, 11-yard shotgun scramble on which he did a really good job of like tap dancing down the right sideline to make sure that he got the first down. That was good. Taylor is really good at doing that. And, you know, there is this like undeniable energy 
when Taylor's in the game. But then on the 15th snap of the drive, third and 10 at the Panthers 26, Taylor Heineke, a shotgun interception right to corner Duke Dawson on a play on which Taylor got hit by interior defensive lineman Bravion Roy. Uh, with the good, with our guy Tay-Tay, does come the bad with Tay-Tay. And we, on that fourth commander's offensive drive on Saturday afternoon, pretty much got the full Taylor Heineke experience. If you met someone who had no idea what Taylor Heineke has been as an NFL quarterback, all you have to do is show that someone tape of that fourth commander's offensive drive from Saturday afternoon. And that's a pretty good encapsulation of what Taylor Heineke is as an NFL quarterback. Then it was Sam Howell time. Sam, I am. Uh, Sam Howell was the commander's third quarterback in the game. He played for the entire second half and he looked good. Nine of 16 for 145 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions. He took two sacks and he had three carries for 19 yards and two touchdowns. He wasn't perfect. I am sure that the commander's coaches in watching the tape of the game are going to have plenty of things to correct with Sam Howell. But overall, to me, he looked good. And yes, I know he was playing against third and fourth stringers. But also, yes, he was playing with third and fourth stringers. Knock Sam Howell's performance all you want. Discount Sam Howell's performance all you want. But if you're going to play the game of, well, look who he was playing against, then you also have to play the game of, well, look who he was playing with. I mean, fair is fair. Uh, The commander's seventh offensive drive was Sam Howell's second drive of the game, resulted in a three and out that resulted in an early fourth quarter punt. The first snap of the drive, Sam had a late third quarter, first and 10, 23-yard under center play action boot completion to receiver Dax Milne. Uh, The commander's eighth offensive drive, this was Sam Howell's third drive of the game, was a seven-play, 74-yard touchdown drive that concluded with three consecutive big plays involving Sam Howell in the fourth quarter. Fifth snap of the drive, Sam, a third and nine, 27-yard shotgun completion to receiver Kyrick McGowan, who is an undrafted rookie out of Georgia Tech. Sixth snap of the drive, Sam, a first and 10, 17-yard shotgun completion to receiver Mark and Michelle. Seventh snap of the drive, Sam, a first and 10, 17-yard shotgun scramble, touchdown run. And Sam, in the open field, just abused linebacker Aaron Mosby, uh, who fell down in trying to take on Sam. Sam broke Aaron's ankles on that play. You probably know this about Sam Howell, but just in case that you don't, he was extremely productive as a runner in his final collegiate season. Uh, Sam was North Carolina's starting quarterback for three seasons, 2019 through 2021. He, over his 2019 and 2020 seasons, totaled just 181 rushing yards, But Sam, during his 2021 junior season, totaled 828 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns, an average 4.52 yards per carry. Also, Sam, in his 2021 junior season, for Pro Football Focus, forced 63 broken tackles. Uh, He can be impactful as a ball carrier, and we certainly saw that on Saturday afternoon. And then also for Sam Howell on Saturday afternoon, that commander's ninth offensive drive. Uh, This was Sam's fourth drive of the game, 
13-play, 67-yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. Uh, third snap of the drive, Sam, on a broken play off spinning out of pressure, had a third and 14, 40-yard shotgun completion to receiver Alex Erickson. Uh, though also on the play was running back Reggie Bonifant getting hit with a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for taunting. 13th snap of the drive, second and goal at the one. Sam, a one-yard quarterback sneak touchdown run to cut the commander's deficit to 2019. And then came the two-point conversion attempt on which Sam had a two-yard shotgun completion to Alex Erickson, who was wide open in the end zone, to give the commanders a 21-20 lead. Sam Howell on Saturday afternoon authored a fourth-quarter comeback. Uh, Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Sam Howell and then on Taylor Heineke. I thought Sam did a, did a nice job. You know, he, he, um, he played like he did uh, in college. I mean, this is a guy that uh, very smart, got a very good arm, very athletic, uh, runs well with the ball. He's a guy that, you know, the more he learns, the better he's going to become. And I think he's a guy that, that has a bright future. I tell you, notable to hear Ron Rivera say that. Uh, the Commanders took Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, he was a terrific value pick by the Commanders. Uh, we talked about this a lot at the time. Sam Howell was the number 34 player on Pro Football Focus's big board for the 2022 draft. And yet the Commanders took Howell with the number 144 pick in the 2022 draft. And as I tweeted on Saturday afternoon, keep the following in mind. The commanders via multiple trades turned the number 11 pick in the 2022 draft and a 2022 six-round pick into four players in the 2022 draft. Those four players are receiver Jahan Dodson, running back Brian Robinson Jr., quarterback Sam Howell, and tight end Cole Turner. That could look quite nice as time goes on. Well, you certainly want your lawn to look quite nice, but if your lawn isn't looking quite nice, let Weedman get the job done. Uh, Weedman, it cares for your lawn so that you don't have to. Uh, Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, and a variety of other services. If you don't have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman take care of your lawn and take advantage of a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A fall tune-up at a great price and aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. That's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. A beautiful spring lawn actually starts in the fall. So take advantage of this special offer and put Weedman to work for you. Uh, Weedman is a national network of locally owned franchises. So you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. Uh, Weedman answers your phone calls and emails promptly. Weedman does what it says it's going to do. I know that that sounds simple and it is, but it's not nearly as common as it should be. Uh, also, Weedman uses superior products that really improve your soil. Weedman's products are of the highest quality. Uh, Weedman does not cut corners. And Weedman only treats what needs to be treated. If you're not satisfied with your lawn or with who is treating your lawn, 
get with Weedman and take advantage of this special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A fall tune-up at a great price and aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. That's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. That phone number again, 571-340-3400. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so that you get the special deal. Uh, you can also Google Weed Man and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Weed Man, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. So we have discussed how the Commanders' three quarterbacks did in the team's preseason opening 23-21 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field on Saturday afternoon. But you certainly could argue that the biggest item from the game from a Commander's perspective was what went down at running back with Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson Jr. And simply put, Antonio had a very bad day and Brian had a very good day. Uh, We'll start with Antonio Gibson. Uh, He, on Saturday afternoon, had four carries for two yards and a lost fumble and had one reception for two yards on one target. Uh, Like I said, bad day. Uh, The commander's first offensive drive, uh, what was the first offensive drive of the game, resulted in a first quarter three and out. First snap of the drive, Antonio Gibson had a first and 10 under center handoff run for no gain. Uh, The commander's second offensive drive resulted in that Antonio Gibson lost fumble. Uh, The man for whom fumbling was such a problem last season, that man in quarter number one of preseason game number one had a lost fumble. I mean, you really could not have scripted this to go in a much worse way for Antonio Gibson. The fourth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 28, Antonio Gibson, a first quarter loss fumble on a shotgun handoff run for no gain, giving the Panthers the ball at the Commanders 19. Uh, Antonio Gibson carried the ball too far away from his body, allowing for linebacker Corey Littleton to punch the ball out as Antonio made his way to the ground and the ensuing Panthers offensive drive resulted in a touchdown. Uh, Then things got especially interesting with Antonio Gibson. He got benched for the commander's third offensive drive, uh, and that drive resulted in Brian Robinson Jr.'s second quarter one-yard touchdown run. Uh, But the commanders then put Antonio Gibson back into the game later in the second quarter, this with backups, including quarterback Taylor Heineke in the game. So Antonio Gibson was playing with the backups. Commanders head coach Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Antonio Gibson. And you'll notice that what seemed to bother Ron about Antonio more than the lost fumble was how Antonio was running the football. Take a listen. He's got to run hard. No, Antonio's got to run hard. You know, when he starts to shuffle and go sideways, that's when he struggles. Okay, so when he goes hard, and we saw that when he came back in the second half, he put his shoulder down and ran hard. That, that, that's what he's capable of doing. That's when, he's, that's when he's at his best. So we talked about that and very pleased with the way he came back in the second half and ran the ball. Yeah, very interesting to hear Ron Rivera say what he said right there. And what Ron said right there backs up what the metrics have said 
about Antonio Gibson. Uh, we've talked about this stuff on this podcast. Antonio Gibson finished the 2021 regular season just number 22 out of 52 qualified running backs in the NFL in rushing yards over expected. Uh, rushing yards over expected is a metric from the NFL's next-gen stats. Also, Antonio Gibson finished the 2021 regular season number 37 out of 52 qualified running backs in the NFL in rushing efficiency per the NFL's next-gen stats. Uh, Rushing efficiency is calculated by taking the total distance that a player traveled on rushing plays as a ball carrier, according to next-gen stats, per rushing yards gained. And the idea is the lower the number, the more of a north-south runner the player is. Well, Gibson, for the 2021 regular season in this department, was just 37th out of 52 qualified running backs. Uh, And that cut from Ron Rivera that I just played for you is Ron saying that he buys into these metrics, that Antonio Gibson does leave too much yardage on the field. Uh, This is a big part of why the commanders spent a third-round pick in the 2022 NFL draft on a running back in Brian Robinson Jr. And of course, there's the fumbling with Antonio Gibson. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about this. He can't keep fumbling. It's as simple as that. He can't keep fumbling. And if he keeps fumbling, then you can't play him. Point blank, period. Antonio Gibson finished the 2021 regular season at number one among all running backs in the NFL in fumbles at six. And you could argue that one of his fumbles cost Washington a win. Uh, week one, the 2016 loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field. Antonio Gibson in that game actually had two fumbles, including a crucial loss fumble. He had a loss fumble on a fourth quarter, first and 10, under center handoff run for no gain, giving the Chargers a first and goal at the three with Washington nursing a 16-13 fourth quarter lead. Uh, the ensuing Chargers offensive drive resulted in a touchdown pass by quarterback Justin Herbert. The ensuing extra point gave the Chargers a 2016 lead, and that ended up being the final score of the game. Now, what about Antonio Gibson going back into the Commanders' preseason opening loss to the Panthers at FedEx Field on Saturday afternoon to play with the backups. Uh, Ron Rivera, during his postgame press conference, on whether Antonio Gibson going back into the game with the backups was part of the original plan for Antonio in the game. No, the plan was to get him, but the plan became to get him back out there and, and to tell him, stick your foot in the ground and go. And you guys saw when he, he runs hard, he runs... You know, physical, you know, he, he puts that shoulder in there and, and, and he's a tough tackle and, and he can pick up four or five yards a, a shot, in my opinion. All right. And now to Brian Robinson Jr. Antonio Gibson on Saturday afternoon had a bad day. Brian Robinson Jr. on Saturday afternoon had a good day. Uh, Robinson had six carries for 26 yards and a touchdown and had two receptions for 15 yards on two targets. Uh, The commander's third offensive drive in many ways was the Brian Robinson Jr. drive. Uh, The drive resulted in Brian's second quarter, third and goal, one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. Third snap of the drive, Brian Robinson Jr., a first quarter, second and 10, 11-yard under center handoff run up the middle. Fourth snap of the drive, Carson Wentz had a first quarter, first and 10, nine-yard under center play action completion to Brian Robinson Jr. on a screen. 14th snap of the drive on a first and goal at the nine. Carson Wentz had a six-yard under center play action boot completion 
to Brian Robinson Jr. Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Brian Robinson Jr. I thought Brian uh, kind of showed us what why we drafted him, and, and um, that's that downhill physical presence on the inside. Um, you know, he's, he's, he, he runs with a good lean. He moves the pile. Um, you know, it's one of those things that can create energy, and, and it sets a tone for the, for the offensive line. Um, you know, and then when you have backs that are change-ups, you know, a little different, I, I think that bodes well for us. So uh, I, was, I was pretty excited about what we got. And like I said, you know, Antonio coming in in the second half and, and, and sticking his foot in the ground and not trying to do this like he did last year early in the season. And I'm saying this because so you guys can remind him, that's not what I want to see. I want to see him go. Uh, one cut and just get, get going and he can, you know, I mean, that's, that's when he's at his best in my opinion. So it was good to see. So how about that? Ron Rivera, in giving an answer to a question about Brian Robinson Jr., pivoted into, again, talking about Antonio Gibson's running style. Uh, That very clearly bothered Ron about Antonio a lot more than his lost fumble did. So why isn't Antonio Gibson more of the type of runner who Ron wants Antonio to be? Here was Ron Rivera on that. I think sometimes trying to make a big play. You know, uh, it's like, you know, it's been said, every play is designed to score, okay? But when it's it's not going to score, you got to get what you can. And sometimes when you try to make more out of it, that's when you run into trouble. So he's just got to understand that, hey, if, if, if it's not there, just stick my foot in the ground and get what I can, protect the ball. Yeah, here's the bottom line. Things already were questionable regarding whether Antonio Gibson would prove to be the commander's true RB1 this coming season. There are reasons that the team spent a 2022 third-round pick on a running back in Brian Robinson Jr. I don't want to overreact to one preseason game, but it's impossible right now uh, not to be wondering if Brian, and not Antonio, is going to prove to be the commander's top running back this coming season, especially with Ron Rivera being so open and blunt about what's truly bothering him about Antonio's play. There seems to be an upside to Antonio Gibson that I'm not sure that you have with Brian Robinson Jr., but there may well be much more of a steadiness and reliability with Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, And steadiness and reliability are two things that you don't seem to have with Antonio Gibson right now. Well, if you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if anyone who you know is looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you know that going with the wrong real estate agent can be as troubling as an Antonio Gibson fumble. And so that's why you got to get with Kellen Hunt. He will not fumble. Uh, If you are on the hunt for a home in the D.C. area, get with Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. If you want to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area but are unsure whether now is the time to buy a home, know this. Now is the time. Uh, It has been a crazy last few months in real estate, no doubt. But as was detailed in the Washington Post recently, there right now is a real estate market shift taking place, giving the upper hand to buyers. The window for buying a home is opening. Buyers have faced crazy competition for homes over the last few years, oftentimes losing out on homes. Well, the rising mortgage rates mean that the market now is not as competitive and inventory is starting to rise. Houses are sitting longer and we are starting to see 
price reductions, all good signs for buyers. Now is the time to capitalize on this. Visit closeitwithkel.com. That's closeitwithkel, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the Washington, D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture of the area. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique. And Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want, no matter your age, family situation, or financial situation. Kellen Hunt can help you. He is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yet, you, the buyer, get a piece of the action. Who doesn't want some extra money right now? Give it inflation. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs, and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. Book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit CloseItWithKel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. More now from the Commander's 23-21 preseason opening loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field on Saturday afternoon. Let's talk Commander's defense, which actually had a good chunk of the team's expected starters playing in the game. Uh, Now, Chase Young, of course, did not play in the game. Uh, The commander's top edge defender remains on the active, physically unable to perform list due to the torn right ACL that he suffered in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field last November 14th. But also not playing for the commanders on Saturday afternoon, surprisingly, uh, was corner Benjamin St. Juice, uh, who, of course, is tracking to be the team's top nickel corner for this coming season. Commanders head coach Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on why Benjamin St. Juice did not play in the game. Hamstring got tight, so we just wanted to be smart. We're not going to put a guy out there and expose him, you know, in the preseason, a guy that, you know, we're counting on to come along and play for us. So um, it, it tightened up uh, on after um, Thursday's practice. He came in on Friday and it was sore. Um, then we went back, looked at his GPS numbers, and they were over 21. So he was that meant he was running and running fast. Okay, well, no Benjamin St. Juice meant that the commanders on Saturday afternoon got an extensive look at their three safety looks. Uh, Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on getting a good look at Derek Forrest and also Percy Butler in using a lot of three safety looks on Saturday afternoon with Benjamin St. Juice out. You know, the one thing about Derek that you like is he's a high-impact guy. I mean, he runs around and, and he runs into things. Um, he's physical by nature, and he's got uh, tremendous athleticism. Um, I'll tell you, watching Percy move around, that, that was very impressive as well. He had an opportunity for a big play, and uh, that's unfortunate because, you know, we, we turned it over a couple times and we didn't get one. Um, it'd be good to have gotten at least one or two. But, uh, again, our, our guys are, at least they're flying around playing hard right now. Okay, so did the commander's defense on Saturday afternoon play well? Well, 
of course, evaluating an NFL team's defense in a preseason opening game is so tricky given the lack of game planning. Uh, that said, the commanders on Saturday afternoon did have some problems on third downs, uh, including while the team starters were in the game. For what it's worth, the commanders for the game allowed the Panthers to go 11 of 18 on third downs. And you look at something like the Panthers' first offensive drive. Uh, this was quarterback Baker Mayfield's lone drive of the game. Ended up being a 13-play, 54-yard drive that consumed 5 minutes, 51 seconds off the clock. The drive resulted in kicker Zane Gonzalez's first quarter 41-yard field goal. We had multiple third-down give-ups by the commanders on this drive. Uh, the third snap of the drive, Baker Mayfield, a third-and-three, 19-yard shotgun completion to receiver Shai Smith, who was wide open. The sixth snap of the drive, running back Chuba Hubbard, a third-and-three, five-yard shotgun handoff run up the middle. The ninth snap of the drive, Baker Mayfield, a third-and-five, 15-yard shotgun completion to Shai Smith across the middle, although Mayfield on the play was pressured by interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. But of course, third-down struggles are not new for a Washington defense. Uh, the team has had some atrocious third-down defenses in recent years. Uh, last season's Washington defense finished the 2021 regular season number 31 out of 32 NFL teams in lowest opponents' third-down efficiency at 48.5%. Here was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon on why the commander's defense struggled on third downs against the Panthers. You know, you got an opportunity on second and long uh, when you're in defense. you got to keep in second and long. You have too many third and mediums to short. And, and that was one of the cruxes Jackson, Jack and I talked about. Um, and we talked about during the game. I mean, it, it, was, it was obvious. You get to second and long, then we get to third and three, third and four. Can't do that. that that's too hard, and we've got to be better. And that's one thing that we talked about. Yeah, the commanders do have to do better in that regard. Another negative for the commander's defense on Saturday afternoon uh, was some key late-game penalties. Uh, the Panthers' ninth offensive drive happened late in the fourth quarter with the commanders nursing a 21-20 lead, resulted in the Zane Gonzalez, a 45-yard field goal with 24 seconds left in the fourth quarter for a 23-21 Panthers lead. The sixth snap of the drive on a third and 10 at the 50, we had a sack strip by interior defensive lineman Justin Hamilton that was recovered by new commander's linebacker Nathan Gary, but that was negated by a five-yard illegal contact penalty by safety Jeremy Reeves, uh, giving the Panthers a first down. Uh, the ninth snap of the drive on a third and nine at the commander's 44, edge defender William Bradley King in going for a sack of quarterback Matt Corral committed a 15-yard face mask penalty in ripping Corral's helmet off of him. Uh, so, you know, not just third down struggles on that drive, but third down struggles due to penalties on that drive. But to me, there were positives for the commander's defense on Saturday afternoon. And the biggest positive by far was the pressure. Uh, the commanders on Saturday afternoon did a very nice job of generating pressure. Uh, the commanders finished with three sacks and 10 quarterback hits. And just watching the game, it was hard not to notice how much pressure the commanders were generating against the Panthers. 
Uh, go back to the Panthers' first offensive drive, the one that resulted in the Zane Gonzalez first quarter 41-yard field goal. Second snap of the drive, edge defender Montez Sweat generated pressure on a Baker Mayfield second and six three-yard under center play action scramble. Uh, the Panthers' second offensive drive, uh, this was quarterback Sam Darnold's first drive of the game, started at the Commanders' 19, uh, thanks to running back Antonio Gibson's first quarter loss fumble and the drive did result in a Panthers touchdown but on the touchdown was pressure uh, third snap of the drive Sam Darnold the first quarter first and goal eight yard under center play action touchdown pass to receiver Rashard Higgins despite a heavy pressure from Montez Sweat uh, who generated a quarterback hit uh, the Panthers third offensive drive resulted in a second quarter three and out third snap of the drive edge defender James Smith Williams came in unblocked and registered a pass defense on a Sam Darnold third and eight shotgun incompletion as Darnold just like threw the football at Smith-Williams as he and interior defensive lineman Deron Payne were pressuring Darnold. Uh, the Panthers' fourth offensive drive, this was quarterback P.J. Walker's first drive of the game, uh, resulted in a late second quarter turnover on downs. The fifth snap of the drive, interior defensive lineman Daniel Wise had a second and one sack of P.J. Walker for a five-yard loss. Also on the play was pressure from edge defender Casey Tuhill. Uh, the Panthers' sixth offensive drive resulted in Zane Gonzalez's late third quarter 37-yard field goal. The snap right before the field goal, third and eight at the Commander's 11. Uh, Jeremy Reeves on a delayed blitz, came in unblocked and had a sack of Walker for an eight-yard loss. So a lot of pressure was produced by the commander's defense on Saturday afternoon. It was nice to see that. Uh, it was also nice to see two guys who dealt with injury for so much of last season be productive for the commanders on Saturday afternoon. Receiver Curtis Samuel and running back J.D. McKissick. Uh, Curtis Samuel had two receptions for 14 yards on two targets. He did commit a penalty, but on the commander's first offensive drive, it was the first offensive drive of the game resulted in a first quarter three and out. The second snap of the drive, quarterback Carson Wentz, a second and 10, six-yard shotgun play action completion to Curtis Samuel on a receiver screen. Uh, the commander's third offensive drive resulted in running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s second quarter third and goal one-yard touchdown run. The fifth snap of the drive, Curtis Samuel uh, did commit a late first quarter second and one five-yard full start penalty, but on the tenth snap of the drive and the second snap of the second quarter, Carson Wentz a third and five eight-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel, who turned upfield for the yak necessary for the first down. So some good stuff from Curtis Samuel. Uh, J.D. McKissick on Saturday afternoon. No carries, but he had one reception for 15 yards on one target. And on the drive that gave us that Brian Robinson Jr. second quarter touchdown run, the 13th snap of the drive, Carson Wentz, a third and four, 15-yard shotgun completion to J.D. McKissick, who was wide open over the middle. I mean, we all know by now how impactful J.D. McKissick can be as a pass catcher. Understand, he finished the 2021 regular season number 12 among all qualified NFL running backs in receiving DVOA for football outsiders at 20.6%. Uh, Rod Rivera, during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon on Curtis Samuel and then also J.D. McKissick. It was good to see Curtis out there again, um, and we're going to continue with the plan. You know, we, 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 we've got a formula that the doctors and the trainers have put together, you know, ramping him up, getting him geared up, ramping him down, you know, making sure we're taking care of him. Um, but again, with the ball, you can see how dynamic he can be. Um, you know, it was, it, was really, it was really good to see. It was great to see J.D. McKissick out there, made a couple of plays again. You know, and, and that's the value of who J.D. is for us. Again, he's that change-up guy, but he's that third-down guy. 
Um, he can come in on first, second down, but third down, he's, he, he is a valuable asset for us. Yes, he is. Uh, receiver Terry McLaurin on Saturday afternoon, one reception for 16 yards on two targets, and he drew a penalty. Uh, all of this happened on the drive that resulted in the Brian Robinson Jr. second quarter touchdown run. The first snap of the drive, Carson Wentz, a first quarter, first and 10, 16 yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin. And the seventh snap of the drive and the penultimate snap of the first quarter, Terry McLaurin drew a late first quarter, third and three, five yard holding penalty on corner Stanley Thomas Oliver III. So you can't defend Terry without trying to cheat. And uh, Stantley Thomas Oliver III, STO3, uh, he got caught in that instance. So it's not like Terry played for a lot on Saturday afternoon, but we saw him produce. Uh, Jahan Dotson on Saturday afternoon was not targeted. So we unfortunately uh, did not have a Jahan Dotson reception on Saturday afternoon. And then how about Commander special teams in this game? Uh, A mixed bag, to say the least. Uh, Kicker Joey Sly He did not attempt a field goal. He went just one of two on extra points. He missed the extra point attempt that followed that Brian Robinson Jr. touchdown run in the second quarter. You know, Sly has had some problems on extra points. Joey Sly in the 2021 regular season went just 18 of 22 on extra points, including going just two of four on extra points over his three games with the San Francisco 49ers last October. Uh, Now Sly in the 2021 regular season for Washington, nine of 10 on extra points. And also for Sly in the 2021 regular season, he on field goals went 23 of 25, including four of four on field goal attempts of at least 50 yards. Uh, Joey Sly last season was more reliable on field goal attempts of at least 50 yards than he was on extra point attempts. Uh, Go figure. Uh, Also, we on Saturday afternoon had three different commanders register punt returns. A receiver, Dax Milne, had a 12-yard punt return in the fourth quarter. Receiver Alex Erickson had a one-yard punt return in the second quarter. And receiver Matt Cole had an eight-yard punt return in the fourth quarter. And then on kickoff returns, uh, we on Saturday afternoon had three different commanders register kickoff returns. A receiver, Kyrick McGowan, undrafted rookie out of Georgia Tech. He averaged 20 yards over three kickoff returns. Alex Erickson had a 19-yard return of the game opening kickoff. And Matt Cole had a 27-yard kickoff return late in the fourth quarter. But Ron Rivera, during his postgame press conference, was not happy about the commander's kickoff returns. So he said, that the commanders beginning each of their first two possessions in the game short of their 20 due to lackluster kickoff returns was, quote, infuriating, end quote. And you know what? Ron's not wrong about that. Uh, Alex Erickson had a 19-yard return of the game-opening kickoff to just the commanders 18, and Kyrick McGowan returned a first-quarter kickoff from eight yards deep in the commander's end zone to just the commander's 16 for a 24-yard return. Uh, this was Ron during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon. Infuriating for me. There, there was no excuse for that. I mean, if we're going to return the ball, we got the ball has to get outside the 20. You can't keep your, uh, your offense starting inside the 20. That's the first thing that bothered me. All right. Up next, Commanders team president Jason Wright. Was he in the right with what he tweeted at Scott Abraham of ABC7 in Washington, D.C. I have a lot to say. I'll say it after this.
Well, if you're like me, you like coffee, and coffee is a part of your routine. I drink coffee before every workout, and I'm a big fan of Trade Coffee, which right now is offering something very special to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. More on that offer in moments. But Trade Coffee tastes great, and Trade Coffee comes from a great place. Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters, small businesses that pay farmers fair prices to sustainably source the greatest beans from around the world. So buying Trade Coffee gets you delicious coffee and supports small businesses and farmers. And here's maybe the best part. Trade Coffee tailors its coffee to you. Uh, You complete a very brief coffee quiz, and you get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like. No gimmicks. Uh, Trade Coffee delivers a bag of freshly roasted coffee as whole beans or ground for however you brew your coffee at home. And Trade Coffee guarantees that you'll love your first order, or Trade Coffee will replace your order for free. Trade Coffee is a great model. There's no one perfect coffee but there is a perfect coffee for you. And so here's a special offer for listeners of this podcast. Trade Coffee is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off first orders plus free shipping. Just go to drinktrade.com slash algaldi. Drinktrade.com slash algaldi. Take the quiz and let Trade Coffee find you the coffee that you'll love. Again, $30 off. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Visit drinktrade.com slash Al Galdi for $30 off. That's drinktrade.com slash Al Galdi for $30 off. One more time, visit drinktrade.com slash Al Galdi for $30 off. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, now that we have discussed what went down for the Commanders in their preseason opener on Saturday afternoon against the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field, let's discuss what was all of the rage, all of the talk in uh, Commander's Land on Friday. The tweets from team president Jason Wright. And yes, I said tweets as in the plural of tweet because there were multiple tweets. So Scott Abraham of ABC7 in Washington, D.C., he covers the Commanders. He is at most of their games, practices, and press conferences. He is known for asking pointed and direct questions, but also, in my opinion, fair questions. Uh, He has been, or maybe I should say had been, uh, conducting these one-on-one interviews with players at Commanders training camp. Uh, Scott did a one-on-one with receiver Terry McLaurin. Scott did a one-on-one with receiver Curtis Samuel. Scott did a one-on-one with quarterback Taylor Heineke. And Scott, this past Thursday, did a one-on-one with quarterback Carson Wentz. And the interview was a good interview. Uh, The interview featured Scott's usual pointed and direct questions. And the interview featured Carson's usual very good answers. Something that I've talked about with Carson and something for which I've given Carson a lot of credit is how he has handled the many tough questions that he has been asked since the commanders traded for him in March. Uh, Now, initially, Scott's interview with Carson got some attention, but I wouldn't say a ton of attention. And then late night on Thursday night, Warren Sharp, of sharpfootballanalysis.com and sharpfootballstats.com, a good friend of the Al Galdi podcast, tweeted out video of a very notable portion of the interview. Uh, Also, Warren Sharp wrote above the video, quote, well then, talk about not pulling any punches, end quote. Now, Warren Sharp has a lot of followers on Twitter. Uh, He has nearly 284,000 followers on Twitter. So when Warren tweets something, a lot of people see that. Among the people who saw Warren's tweet of the video of Scott Abraham and Carson Wentz was Jason Wright. Before we get into what Jason tweeted about the video, here is the audio of the video. There's been kind of a narrative out there here in training camp that you've been a little inaccurate um, on your throws. Uh, consistently inconsistent has been a kind of a terminology. How would you assess your performance in training camp, and is that characterization uh, fair? Yeah, I mean, for one, it's camp. You know, I think uh, I didn't know that, so thank you. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I know because I know you told time, me you don't read that stuff. At the same time, uh, I'm my biggest critic, so I, I come back after practice yeah. and I'm kicking myself over one, two, three, four, five plays. You know, real talk here, Carson. It's been well documented. Philly didn't want you. Indy didn't want you. Do you think this is your last chance to prove? that you can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, you know, I don't really think about all that stuff. For me, I'm playing the game that I love, and I have 
the most confidence of anybody in myself to deliver, to play at a high level, um, to you know be a part of something special here with this team. And so I don't, I don't put all that pressure on myself. I don't put you know people can can feel that way. People can say what they want, and uh, I have no issue with that. You know that is what it is. But for me, I don't, I don't think in those terms. Okay, so there you go. Scott Abraham, especially with that second question, asked a pointed and direct question, and Carson Wentz gave a very good answer. Well, Jason Wright was not a fan of what Scott did. Uh, Jason on Friday morning quote tweeted Warren Sharp's tweet of the video, and Jason in his quote tweet wrote, quote, Thankfully, Carson demonstrated grace and class in response to this pompous, unprofessional mess. I recognize you have made a living on childlike provocation, but it needs to be called out. Don't expect special access and good luck building rapport with the guys, end quote. And Jason then tagged Scott Abraham in the tweet. Also, Jason then responded to his own quote tweet with another quote tweet, uh, this one of an article by USA Today NFL insider Mike Jones on Carson Wentz and wrote Jason in this quote tweet, quote, and it's not that the guys can't take criticism, just be a journalist and follow standard practices. Others have found a way to do both, end quote. So the point clearly was do as Mike Jones has done, not as Scott Abraham has done. So we had a lot of tweets and a lot of quotes, and yes, all of this can be confusing, and yes, all of this can sound like a bunch of teenagers being mad at each other over who said what about who, but hopefully what I just laid out made sense. Anyway, I want to address each of the three principal parties involved, Scott Abraham, Jason Wright, and Carson Wentz. Uh, First of all, Scott Abraham. Uh, Now, full disclosure, I know Scott a little bit. Uh, I like Scott. He has had me on his television show, Sports Talk, on WJLA 24-7 News many times, and I have had him on this podcast. Uh, Scott's a good man. He works hard. And like I said, he asks pointed and direct questions. But let me also add this. He asks good questions. He asks provocative questions. He asks questions that elicit interesting and at times very telling answers. Now, when Scott said to Carson, quote, Philly didn't want you, Indy didn't want you, end quote, was that a bit stiff? Uh, yes. Did Scott have to phrase things that way? (laughs) Uh, no. So if you want to say that that specific portion of the question was overly harsh, fine. I don't think that that's an unreasonable take to have. But generally speaking, Scott isn't overly harsh or mean in the questions that he asks. Uh, Scott is very smart in the questions that he asks. And if you think that he's one of these media people who hates the commanders, think again. Scott has put out a lot of positive content about the team. Do you know what one of the great ironies of this entire situation is? Scott, on Thursday morning during commander's training camp practice, put out the following tweet, quote, Carson Wentz has been sharp today, comfortable, accurate. He's hit several throws to Dotson, Milne, and Brown, end quote. So on the very same day on which Scott supposedly was a mini pants to Carson, Scott put out a tweet praising Carson, and that tweet got a lot of attention. 
Uh, Scott, this past Tuesday in his interview with Curtis Samuel, got Curtis to say that he's doing well and is going to be fine and will be ready for week one. And Scott tweeted out video of that, and that tweet got a lot of attention. Scott doesn't need me to defend him, but if you know anything about his work, you know that he's not some hater. And so that brings us to Jason Wright. And I actually want to begin the Jason Wright portion of our conversation by praising Jason. Uh, A big part of what Jason did on Friday morning in tweeting what he tweeted was sticking up for Carson Wentz. And I actually respect and appreciate that. You know, Jason was standing up for a coworker. He was standing up for a teammate, uh, one who has taken a, a lot of criticism from a lot of people and has been asked a lot of questions about a lot of negative topics relating to him since the commanders traded for him. And as a fan of the commanders, I respect and appreciate Jason feeling compelled to stand up for Carson. Now, I don't know that Carson necessarily needed to be stood up for, but I don't think that Jason standing up for Carson came from a bad place. Uh, You know, Jason Wright on Saturday at FedEx Field prior to the Commander's preseason opener against the Panthers spoke with reporters about what he had tweeted at Scott Abraham and said, quote, I feel fine. I thought it was appropriate to defend our guy and stand up for our team in a direct way. End quote. I can understand that. You know, as a fan of the Commanders as I am, I do get tired of the team getting whacked around like a pinata by so many people in the media, even though, of course, the team so often has deserved to get whacked around like a pinata. But that doesn't mean that you always enjoy the getting whacked around like a pinata. But you know what? Just as Jason felt that Scott Abraham's questioning was overly harsh, so too was Jason's tweet at Scott. I mean, listen to how that tweet from Jason reads, quote, thankfully, Carson demonstrated grace and class in response to this pompous, unprofessional mess. I recognize you have made a living on childlike provocation, but it needs to be called out. Don't expect special access and good luck building rapport with the guys. End quote. I mean, that is a harsh, even nasty tweet from the team president of an NFL team. A, Jason called Scott's questioning, if not Scott himself, pompous and unprofessional. B, Jason said that Scott has, quote, made a living on childlike provocation, end quote. C, Jason threatened, if not outright said, that Scott would not be getting any more one-on-one interviews with Commander's players and saying, quote, don't expect special access, end quote. Uh, And D, Jason suggested that Scott will have a hard time establishing relationships with Commander's players, if not outright encouraged Commander's players not to talk to Scott in saying, quote, good luck building rapport with the guys, end quote. Uh, Like I said, a harsh, if not nasty, tweet from the team president of an NFL team. Uh, The tweet garnered a lot of attention. The tweet became the number one commander story the day before the team's preseason opener, as opposed to, you know, the actual preseason opener being the number one commander story the day before the team's preseason opener. And Jason tweeted that tweet without first calling 
Scott Abraham. Uh, this was a bad job by Jason Wright. He can feel however he wants to feel about Scott Abraham's line of questioning with Carson Wentz. And like I said, I respect and appreciate Jason standing up for Carson. But the tweet at Scott was overly harsh. The tweet took away from the team's preseason opener the next day. And Jason absolutely should have called Scott first. That would have been a much more prudent, high road approach to take and would have prevented what happened from happening. A tweet. I mean, think about this. A tweet from an NFL president becoming the number one story for that NFL team the day before that NFL team's preseason opener. There's also this too, you know, just kind of a basic philosophy of speak less, tweet less, and do more good things and fewer bad things. Jason Wright seems to be a good person and a smart person, and I can only imagine what he has had to deal with behind the scenes since he became the team's president in August 2020, but the list of things under his purview that have gone wrong during his run as team president continues to grow. You know, I mean, at this point, I think everyone can recite the list. Last October 17th, the debacle, the embarrassment that was the retirement of Sean Taylor's number 21. Uh, This past Christmas, the first Jason Wright Twitter affair. Uh, Jason, this past Christmas night, put out a tweet that read, quote, good night at Washington NFL Nation. A holiday themed game day is just a day away, end quote. And the tweet also featured a cartoon meme of Santa Claus and a snowman urinating. Yes, I said urinating on a Dallas Cowboys helmet. And you actually saw the flows of urine coming out. Now, I'm all for a good laugh, okay? But the meme was rather crude, okay? And I thought beneath an NFL team president. And of course, what happened the next night? Washington got humiliated at the Cowboys. Washington got urinated on at the Cowboys 56-14 on Sunday Night Football. Uh, This past February 2nd, aka 2.2.22, the underwhelming low-energy announcement of the name Commanders. Uh, Also this past February, Crestgate, the Commanders' crest having the wrong years, commemorating the Redskins' three Super Bowl championship seasons. Uh, Last month, the omission of Trent Williams as a candidate to be one of the 90 greatest people in the history of the franchise and the many, and I mean many, factual errors on commandlegacy.com. Now we have this uh, Twitter affair involving Scott Abraham. Exactly how many more totally avoidable mess-ups does Jason Wright plan on presiding over? I mean, just the many factual errors on commandlegacy.com. I still can't get over that. How do you not get the spellings of the names of all-time franchise greats right? How do you not get the years of service to the team of all-time franchise greats right? I mean, get that stuff right before you start tweeting at people for their line of questioning about a quarterback with whom there are many valid questions and concerns. And so now we arrive at that quarterback. Now we arrive at the person who matters the most in all of this from a standpoint of being a fan of the commanders, Carson Wentz. And I can't emphasize this enough. Since he was traded for by the commanders, he has been asked so many questions about so many negative topics relating to him. I mean, it really is something. 
you know, why the Indianapolis Colts traded him just one year after trading for him, uh, why he's now on his third team in three seasons, whether him being the commander's QB1 is his last true shot at being an NFL team's QB1, uh, his supposed lack of leadership, his relationships with teammates, his inaccuracy in commander's training camp so far, etc. And yet, Carson has answered every question, every question, with class and humility. This started with his introductory press conference for the Commanders on March 17th. Carson Wentz killed it at that intro presser. I said that on the episode of this podcast that came out the day after that intro presser. Episode 274. Carson at the intro presser answered every difficult question really well. And he, since then, has answered every difficult question really well. He has accepted blame. He has not at all been defensive. He has never gotten annoyed with a question. He has put on a clinic in how to answer tough questions. I mean, think about everything that Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay has said regarding Carson. Not once has Carson fired back. Not once has Carson not taken the high road. Now, what does all of this mean for Carson Wentz as a commander's quarterback? Who the heck knows, okay? Maybe all of this means nothing regarding his actual play for the commanders this coming season. And, you know, maybe all of this class and humility aren't even genuine. Maybe Carson is just a great actor. Maybe Carson is just a big phony, okay? Maybe Carson is just a big, tall, red-haired phony who loves to thump his Bible and tout his Christianity when in reality, he's a terrible, horrible, awful human being. But you know what else is possible, okay? Do you know what else could be the case? That Carson Wentz isn't so bad. That he isn't the monster he has been made out to be. That he isn't the axe murderer he has been made out to be. If you've never heard my conversation with Chris Long, you got to hear that. Episode 297 of the Al Galdi podcast. Former NFL defensive lineman Chris Long, the Virginia product. Uh, he played with Carson for two seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, 2017 and 2018. And said Chris on this podcast about Carson, quote, I didn't see the axe murderer that people keep talking about, end quote. You know, maybe Carson isn't so bad. Maybe he was bad, but has learned some lessons. I don't know. You figure that we are going to find out. All I know is since Carson got to the commanders, his answers to the many tough questions that he has been asked have been filled with class and humility. And yes, that guarantees us nothing about what kind of a quarterback for the commanders he's going to be. But also, yes. He deserves credit for these answers because if he was giving bad answers, if he was giving answers filled with anger and hostility and resentment, if he was giving answers that were defensive and lacking in self-awareness, then you can bet that he would be criticized for that and he would deserve that criticism. You don't have to love Carson Wentz. You don't have to be a Carson Wentz fanboy to acknowledge that he so far has handled a tough situation very well. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 376. We'll have much more on the commanders off their preseason opening loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field on Saturday afternoon. 
as well as a lot on the Nationals and Orioles. Uh, full recaps of what went on for the Nats and Doze over the weekend. The Nats have split the first two games of a three-game series against Juan Soto, Josh Bell, and the San Diego Padres at Nationals Park. Game three is on Sunday afternoon at 12.05. The O's have split the first two games of a big three-game series at the Tampa Bay Rays. Game three is on Sunday afternoon at 1.40. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Real talk here, Carson. It's been well documented. Philly didn't want you. Indy didn't want you. Do you think this is your last chance to prove that you can be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, you know, I don't really think about all that stuff. For me, I'm playing the game that I love, and I have the most confidence of anybody in myself to deliver, to play at a high level, um, to you know, be a part of something special here with this team. And so I don't, I don't put all that pressure on myself. I don't put, you know, people can can feel that way. People can say what they want, and uh, I have no issue with that. You know, that is what it is. But for me, I don't, I don't think in those terms.